this is the new meta, episode eight. We're here with Paul from Three Peaks. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thank you very much. So, uh, so to kick us off here, um, tell us a little bit about how you started the business. When did you start it? Uh, when did I start the business? So, uh, I'm a kinesiologist by trade. Uh, that's what I um, did my schooling at UBC. Um, so I started the clinic, or not so much the clinic, but started the business 14 years ago. Um, that's where I started off. Um, I actually started in the out of my Volkswagen car at the time. Nice. I would drive around doing active rehab from location to location. Okay. And uh, that's kind of where it started, and then it's slowly grown over the last 14 years um, to now where we have the clinic upstairs, and we also have a uh, yoga studio, movement studio downstairs, which we're sitting in right now. And so that's kind of where everything started, but. Uh, I've been a kinesiologist now for uh, almost 20 years, graduated in 2000 uh, from UBC. Um, So graduated there. And then I, the first year, as most people after they graduate, uh, you know, it takes a little bit of time. Um, First year I was working at the Pan Pacific serving. They got an opportunity to start working out of their uh, gym facility. And then about six months later, I got hired with my first job, which was Harborview Rehab. Mm-hmm. And I worked there for about four and a half, five years. Yeah. And uh, sort of at that four and a half year mark, I started to take on some side clientele mm. in the evenings. And then um, my first son was born, and that was kind of a catalyst to sort of look at jumping out on my own and right. doing yeah. some different things and you know the rest of it. So um, yeah, and then took about a year of doing mobile. Um, driving around until my business coach at the time, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Hardy, um, he said, um, you know, see if you can locate yourself in one location so people can come to you instead of you wasting a lot of time driving back and forth. And there is still a need for people that are kinesiologists to go to people in yeah. community centers and such and to do active rehab and water rehab and such. But, you know, his view was that if you can get people to come to you, it would be better. So I ended up signing a lease at Total Fitness here uh, about, I'd say, 12 years ago, somewhere around there. So it was there, a small little closet space. And uh, we started to work out of there Mm. and um, had our clientele mainly come to us. We were still doing some driving and still doing some active rehab in the community and such. and yeah, I, uh, you know, that's kind of, you know, sort of the catalyst to start it all. And yeah. a lot of it was active rehab based. Now what I do is very different. Uh, 12 years ago, uh, about the time that we took on the space, just after I went to a um, uh, conference up at Whistler mm-hmm. and I ended up stumbling upon a technique called fascia stretch therapy. Okay. And so that's mainly what our, one of our main foundations of our clinic is based on for the kinesiology side is stretching people out. Um, it's a table-based um, technique. So uh, we have, you know, the clients on the table, we stretch them and so on and so forth. And then we've added on multiple techniques uh, since. Um, and we traveled down to uh, Arizona uh, to our men- to my mentor uh, down there, <coughs> Annie Chris Frederick. And then there's another uh, technique which is called uh, AIS or active isolated stretching. And mm-hmm. my mentor from uh, back east, Paul Elliott, we bring him into the clinic to do uh, like clinical um, workshops right. and such here in Vancouver. 
um, in Langley and um, so yeah it's kind of you know step by step by step and that's one of the big things that kind of built up the clinic and then there was you know requests from people for massage therapy and there were requests mm -hmm. can we get a physiotherapist in mm -hmm. um, and then same with chiropractic and so on and so forth so we've just added services kind of almost organically over the last 14 years yeah. um, which is do you find that uh, people are seeking you out for those special services or is it kind of more of an education process once, uh, we, once they're it's both. So yeah. we have individuals that are being referred, uh, especially with uh, us being doing the FST for the last 12 years. We mm -hmm. have people that are, they love what, what it is, they love what we do, so they refer friends. They're like, you need to go see Paul, you need to go see Travis, you need to go see Jess at the clinic. Mm -hmm. um, they do fast stretch therapy, it's awesome. That's really what, you know, it will help you free up your muscles, free up your body and your joints to move well. And then we have amazing physios uh, as well that do uh, IMS therapy. So a lot of people right. will search out IMS or dry needling. Mm -hmm. um, as well as more of a manual-based therapy. So our physios do pretty much one-on-one -on -one for half an hour mm -hmm. with individuals. Um, some clinics do that. A lot of other clinics, they do what I term as sort of farming, where they go from table to table to table. Mm -hmm. and we would rather see quality of service one-on-one -on -one with our clientele right. from our physios instead mm -hmm. of you know hopping from table to table. So that kind of is another piece that we try to use to set ourselves apart mm -hmm. um, from the typical um, physio locations that are out there um, yeah and then we have you know right now we have three RMTs and massage therapy is always one of those services that people seek out and yeah. you know our RMTs are booked fairly solid you know mm -hmm. some of them are booking three months out you know oh. all the way out and then you know there's sometimes a little bit of a space here and there to get in so you know that's I think the biggest challenge is finding you know enough practitioners that are mm. high quality practitioners to yeah. you know uh, do the services that are required as well as mm. the training and so on and so forth how do you go about finding those high quality practitioners uh, some of it has been they've been attracted by um, the reputation of the clinic so okay as one thing being a clinic that has been around uh, in Langley for 10 years uh, plus uh, people do know what we do and uh, they have searched us out um, the other thing too is trying to, you know, meet different uh, practitioners at courses and um, having sort of a, almost a social media like aspect where you're looking for good people or, or trying to communicate with good people. So mm -hmm. potentially uh, via Facebook or, you know, other things like Instagram and so on and so forth, reaching out to individuals mm -hmm. and having conversations with them of like, hey, you know, are you looking, you know, we like your skills we like you know hear good things about you so that's one way of kind of like trying to reach out and find people but a lot of time as well you know you'll put an ad out and then you'll try to uh, bring in the right people as well right mm -hmm. so that's an interesting tactic because I'm, I think a lot of people miss out on the opportunity that social media has and actually in order to find talent because yeah. if, if you represent your culture and what you do yeah. and you have like that good reputation in the marketplace as a whole yeah. and then people can actually visualize that through the social means, yeah. then all of a sudden it's a lot easier to attract that talent. Yeah. And, and I mean, it helps for sales as well, I'm sure, because people familiarize yourself, themselves with their, your brand. But, you know, I think that's, you know, you've, you've come across something that not that many people come across and social media purposefully to find talent I, I, 
I think that it's it's interesting because there are some younger companies out there right now that are really doing a great job of it. Mm -hmm. um, some of the you know the the amazing millennials that are out there that are just kicking butt and you know taking names uh, mm -hmm. and you know people that are a little bit more into marketing aspects um, in our space there's a company called Myo Detox I'm not sure if you guys ever heard of them they kind of do a lot of that reaching out via social they've also bought up a lot of clinics and other things mm -hmm. so um, you know I kind of look at them and go wow this kind of interesting there's another great clinic on the North Shore um, called Coastal Rehab mm -hmm. uh, Dave Leland he's got one in uh, West Van or North Van and then another one in Kits so I kind of watch what you know he's doing as a younger you know up-and-comer yeah. um, really taking names so you know kind of reaching out to those amazing people that are in the community and you know it's one of those things too finding great talent does take time and you yeah. know there is a, an adage of hire slowly you know let people go quickly is one of yeah. those pieces and you know that's a piece that i don't think many people practice it's i think hard. i think a lot of people know it it's hard and, to practice it but it's very very hard because when if you're busy for example and the person's booked out and you have no way to fill in the gaps that it would cost to let them go that's where you fall into the trap of you know keeping fi firing them very very slowly and you know it creates toxicity in the workplace and all of this uh the other thing that i actually want to touch on because it was very interesting that you said this was um you know you're out there looking at best practices that other people are doing whether it's like social whether it's like part of your practice not reinventing the wheel is something that I mean we swear by we never want to reinvent the wheel we want to take what's already out there and build on it yeah. because the problem is is that to reinvent the wheel a it's gonna be way slower yeah so time to results way slower but in addition to that what's important is to understand how it works so that you can b then build on it yeah. which is something that very few people actually do there is a big I mean we've just hired on a uh, you talk about not reinventing the wheel but finding the right talent and you know looking for pieces we just hired on a physio who's got 20 years experience so mm -hmm. uh, his name is Shatan, amazing physio but in essence you're almost slotting in a person so you don't have you have to do a little bit of up training culturally you have yeah. to do a little bit of this is how we do things this is a new style he was a little bit old school with paperwork we're now on a system called gene which is mm. you know mobile and you know uh, web-based yeah. um, but you know that that learning curve is really easy. Yeah, you if know, the willingness if is the there. If the willingness is there, and yes. that's another piece you got to look for is somebody who's willing to learn. So lifelong learning is a big part of my belief and the belief of our clinic is that mm. we want to see people learning. Yeah, if somebody's becoming stagnant and not learning, that's not a good thing. Yeah. So you know they need to be learning in their private lives and yeah. their in their own time. They also need to be looking at you know what they need to do. Uh, you know. To help themselves clinically, uh, no matter yeah. what the role is, and yeah. you know that's one of the big pieces too. I think that can't really be understated because nowadays learning—it's just so much more important because yeah. things are changing so quickly, right? And for us, like lifelong learning, it's a huge tenet of like our business and our values as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's one of the biggest pieces is that finding those right individuals—it uh, does take time, and that's at all—that's in all pieces from the front desk you know, right through to, mm. you know, our physios, our Cairo, um, our RMTs and yeah. such, and trying to build that culture. Mm. Um, you know, and it's also one of those pieces too, is that, you know, it, it 
if you're not focused on culture and you're not focused on certain things, the lack of those pieces will come through. And that's, yeah. for me, that's actually been my biggest struggle over the last year and a half is taking that eye off of how to build the team, taking that time out and being busy. Mm. So even myself being, you know, 20 years into this, I think there is, especially in this, um, in the society that we live in, there's an aspect of getting caught up in being busy. Yes. The do, do, do all the time and not focused on if you are an individual that is leading a team, if you're just doing all the stuff and you're not focused on, on how am I supposed to lead this team? How am I supposed to make this team better? How am I supposed to build a business? And if you just kind of put yourself into, well, we're making money yeah, and this is what pays the bills then you can take your eye off that piece and that can really highly affect you know the business in a negative sense and yeah. you know it's one thing and i think that's my biggest lesson is to take time out now and like really focus on building staff and mm -hmm. building you know what do we need to do focus on the vision of the company yeah. mm -hmm. where are we going how do we want to be better how do we want to market ourselves and you know there are all these things this aspect of the instagram lifestyle and a lot of people yeah. will say is that you're constantly busy i know people that do that for a living and they're setting up lots of pieces and the thing is do you need to do all that do you need to be yeah. good at everything that's on the map social media wise mm -hmm. do you need to do all these other things or is it just better to just you know take time for yourself yeah right? well it goes it speaks to you know the urgent versus the important exactly and people always put up the urgent over the important yeah. And what we always tell people is like, you know, if, if the house is on fire, it's not enough to just say like, well, I need to put the fire out. It's will it burn the house down? Yeah. Because in the world of business, unlike a real fire, like most fires don't burn the business down. Mm -hmm. They might char the corner a bit. And then yeah. if it gets like really bad, then you address it. But if some, if there's a fire that, you know, business wise gets put on, mm -hmm. you, you can sometimes ignore those for three to six months. Yeah. As long as it's not like a cultural thing or like one of those things that's core to the business, yeah. right? It's like, oh, you know that you understand there's an inefficiency. It's like, no problem. Ignore it because I need to focus on what's, what's important rather than what's urgent. There, there is a, an, uh, I believe that as well as so the important versus urgent. You can have fires that will char things. Yeah. And if they're not, you know, the core of stuff, that is one piece. But the other thing too is, is that if you are able to step back and take that time to focus on the things that are important, those fires shouldn't be starting in the first place. That's correct. Yeah. So that's one of the big things is like, you shouldn't be running around like a firefighter, having that firefighter hat on yeah. all the time, putting out, you know, urgent fires or even just saying, okay, well, that's okay. We'll let that burn. Mm -hmm. The aspect should be like, you know, in there and having that team culture of being able to take those pieces and, you know, change those. Um, you know, you can even have pieces of, um, culture where people may like working for you but then all of a sudden you know gas prices go up they're living half an hour instead of half an hour away they're now moved and they're now an hour away so now the drive affects them yeah and you know those pieces too can be you know they can wear on people so you have to take a look at you know your whole team yeah right you know I find that even finding talent like where is the talent how far are they driving um, what are they looking for? Mm -hmm. And you know, those things can change very quickly in our society based on, oh, well, hey, this is this or this is that. And now I have different needs that I'm trying to yeah. you know, mitigate. And mm -hmm. When you're in a people 
you're not you're not a product, you know, creating a solid product, but you're a people-based service. Yeah. You're always having to focus on the individuals in your staff. Um, you know, and this is a big piece. And I think the other thing too that you know um, focusing on is you know levels of stress with people. People don't talk about you know their mental health issues or even sometimes their physical health issues mm -hmm. that affect their mental health or just them affect them on the workplace. And mm -hmm. That's a big thing as well as like you know being able to reach out to your bosses, talk with them. You don't always have to say hey, this is going on, mm -hmm. but being able to actually mitigate what's going on with people is a, is a big thing as well, to be able to support staff and, and help them out on those pieces. And, you know, those are always interesting aspects that, you know, myself and my business partner as bosses have to take a look at now, yeah. um, much more than in the past where you just kind of like, okay, person's having a bad day and you move on from it. You know, yeah. there's much more concerns with, you know, what do you need to do for the for your staff and you know how do you need to do it and you know i i don't think i've always wanted that i don't think i've always lost at that but you know there's pieces and lessons that you know you can take from you know how do you how do you you know mitigate that culture yeah mm -hmm. and i think there's a you know in business there's a fine line between like sympathy and empathy you know it's yeah. like when it's like sympathy you feel what they feel and then you just take their stance and then you're not finding solutions. Yeah. Whereas empathy, that's where you're actually helping people find solutions. Yeah. And a lot of people go to that sympathy place and that's okay to do once in a while for like a little bit. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you're being sympathetic too much and not empathetic, yeah. um, you're gonna basically p put that person into this negative pattern by sympathizing with them. You actually have to say like, okay, like I understand what you feel, it's not great where where this is or you know i totally get it yeah. mm -hmm. but moving forward like what what are the steps that you and i need to put into place in order to like make you know work. make this work and overcome that adversity that is potentially there yeah. Yeah. right it's a big piece and like you know we all have these things as sort of you know entrepreneurs and and individuals that are employing people um but yeah you know as i say you know you you look at a lot of different pieces and spaces with where people are coming from and you know it's much much more um, on the forefront now with individuals you yeah. know and that's one of the things you know you talk about okay how do you say build culture right it's one of the big ones as yeah. well and I would say as well as like you know focusing on defining a culture within right. the team is a big piece and that's another piece that we did a number of years ago, but we need to redo. Mm -hmm. And you know, even myself as the entrepreneur, I can say we have to redo that piece. Right. Right. We have to redefine that aspect of you know defining that culture and bringing in potentially somebody to really help, like look at that. Yeah. Right. And you know, I think that's another thing too is that a lot of companies will have a culture you know two three years ago. Yeah. And then they don't kind of update that culture. They don't yeah. look at that culture and they go, like, oh, it's fine. Well. At times, you need to actually look at it, yeah. and you need to re-explore it. You need to. You do really need to manage it because you know, as you bring more people onto the team, that culture can, you know, take on a life of its own. Yep. And that could be a good thing, but or can be a bad thing for the business. But you really yep. have to make sure it's in line with what you're trying to do. And it is inevitable, right? Like it's, you know, people always uh, talk about culture. It's it's like, you know, growing a garden. Yep. It's like weeds naturally crop up. 
you know, different plants get planted, but it's about once in a while taking a step back to your point and assessing like, is this the right, are we going in the right direction here? And sometimes, you know, you gotta redirect where it's going. Yeah. But I think that people say, people think it's like, well, the culture where it's going isn't where I want it to go. Mm-hmm. And they, they see that as a bad thing, but it's ultimately like businesses have a life of their own, like they're their own entity. Yeah. And there's not much you can do about that except constantly assess and reassess, yeah. you know, periodically because you can't mm-hmm. keep your finger on it 100% of the time. Yeah. And the thing is, like you said, when you bring in somebody new, there will always be an effect on culture, yeah. right? No matter who it is. Um, you know, you can also have changes in people's lives that will affect culture. Um, you know, we as individuals, you know, we have our home lives and then we have our business lives. And most people don't realize that they spend probably more time in their business life yeah. than they do in their home life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is a big piece of like, you know, what are you looking at? And I always say is that we should be a family. Mm-hmm. Now, families can be dysfunctional at times, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you can have arguments at times in families, and you can have different points of views within families. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things too within a business. You'll have those pieces as well, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, mitigating those, determining what you need to do, is a big piece of you know building that um, aspects of you know success. I think um, you know. That's really, you know, mitigating that culture, working on culture and such. And, you know, I, I don't think, you know, if you kind of look at the Googles of the world or the, um, the different things, you know, the big, di- you know, downtown ones, you know, where they have like slides and this, that, and the next thing in yeah. workrooms. Yeah. That, you know, is culture, but it really, a lot of time, isn't culture as well, right? It's just, it's. It can a, be very superficial. It can be that. And so, yeah. you know, you have to look at that piece and say, okay, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, how do we need to change? People like mistake perks for a culture yes. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you're getting free stuff or lunches or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. But is that really culture? Like, yeah. you know, it's like ping pong table and a foosball table. That's not a culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just a free perk of that's the workplace. Yeah. And, um, and the other part as well, the free foosball table and free ping pong table, they may also have a aspect of, well, those are releases, but we expect you to work you know, this many hours and get yeah. this much done and you're on a tight deadline. So yeah. there are different aspects to culture all the time. Yeah. And that's a big thing is like I said, you know, I, I know that, you know, our clinic's culture per se isn't the most perfect in any way and we need to, you know, work on pieces. But I think that's also being an entrepreneur is actually mm-hmm. able to say that. Yeah. You know, and healthily say that. And yeah. even in an interview say that to somebody. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, hey, you know, this is this and you know, I think that, you know, people don't understand is that you know, you make it past that first year. You make it yeah. past that second year. Okay, we're doing okay. Make it to the five-year mark. All right. Well, after that, you know, people say, okay, businesses are going to run. Well, not always. No. And in and what I've form? Watched, yeah. yeah, I've watched businesses fail at the 10-year mark. I've watched 100%. businesses yeah. fail at the 20-year mark yeah. in my space. Yeah. And it's, you know, one, either they're not changing. Right. Or to the entrepreneur, you know, either sells it off to somebody so you have a change in the main person yeah. or you have something else that changes that aspect and you yeah. can have those aspects of things failure. Okay. Um, but I think it's, you know, looking at it and saying, okay, what were we doing in first year? What were we doing in second year? If we're looking from this point and it's a brand new business, 
yeah. what do we need to do to make changes? Like, yeah. you know, what's going to make the workflow better? What's going to make people um, want to be there because they're comfortable and such, right? We just changed our, our front desk mm -hmm. this weekend, right? Mm -hmm. So we have our front desk right now, you know, torn out this weekend, put back in, you know, we got a new uh, tech guy upstairs putting everything yeah. in so that the workflow is better for our, you know, administrative assistants yeah. at the front. To me, that's a big, big piece because you know what it what was working before wasn't working. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you know it's identified as we need this space to be better, and then it's also picking out other pieces within the clinic of okay, well, what else do we really want to do to change? You know, we need to mm -hmm. make changes to say the weight room um, for mm -hmm. our clientele. Mm -hmm. That's the next piece that we're working right. on. So as you say, finding those urgent things and finding those things you need to work on mm -hmm. is really important as well as saying, okay, well, how many hours do we need yeah. to be billing at the same time? And what do I need to be billing at yeah. to make it work? Yeah. And that's, uh, I think sometimes people, you know, they'll get into the yes mode or, yeah. you know, they don't look at what do we need to do or how do we need to do it to make mm -hmm. it work? And then, you know, the other thing, and I see this in not only my spaces of like the health, but I see it in other spaces, you'll have a brand new business come out of the chute mm. and they want to, you know, look at themselves as a company that's been established for 10 years. So they want absolutely everything under the sun. Right. The brand new, like top notch, like, you know, computers or systems or whatever it is that's needed mm -hmm. instead of saying okay can we do this with less mm -hmm. you know there's very much can we get absolutely everything so i want you know in my my games it'd be can we get you know two new lasers we need a whole bunch of you know uh, shock waves we need uh, a bunch of stim units mm -hmm. and we need the top level beds and we need to look like this and you know we want a, a designer in to do all these things and then at the end of the day they're saddled by this huge sort of cost mm -hmm. that yeah. is going to, you know, grind on them month to month to month. Yeah. Whereas they would have started off with, okay, well, we don't need 10 beds. We don't need this. There's two practitioners. Right. We're going to grow our team, but let's grow our team, yeah. you know, organically. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I've seen that happen as well with uh, a number of places. And then they, they believe that they're going to be able to bring people in and mm. such. And... You know, the talent pool is deep here in Vancouver, but at the same time, it can be, you know, it's it's multiple places. You're having to attract those individuals and you're having to interview those individuals. Yeah. And there's lots of potential offers yeah. for those individuals. It can be <clears throat> can be a challenge if you're overly optimistic, right? And yeah. you're not looking at uh, what's, what's potentially, you know, what if things don't go the way that I expect? You know, like how are we going to do it then? Yeah. Right, and being practical and conservative in how you build the operations of the business, it makes a lot of sense, especially when, like you're saying, you don't have that history of knowing yeah. what that's going to look like, right? Especially if you're starting out. Yeah. So, I mean, those are big pieces that I look yeah. at, kind of, in regards to you know, new people out of the shoot that I would say as entrepreneur, shoestring yourself. Yeah. That's what we've done. Yeah. For you know, 14 years, we've shoestring ourselves. Has its positives, but at mm. the same time, if we're looking at something and there's a spend, we'll be like, okay, why do we need it? Yeah. And then, you know, does it have that return, that ROI that people yeah. are looking for? So you guys have grown pretty much organically and through quality of work, quality of service, yeah. and referrals for the last 20 years. Um, 
how are you finding, <clears throat> what's the biggest challenge to growth these days? Is it besides the talent? Because that's going to That's a big you. one, yeah. yeah. So talent is a big one. Um, the other piece is, um, you know, when we first established ourselves here in Walnut Grove, there weren't as many businesses. So now there right. are much more, there's much more competition. Yeah. So you have to realize that, that that is part of the organic growth, that there's going to be more competition. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have more clinics here in Langley because of the growth, but you also have more populace. So, yeah. uh, and the other thing too is I try to work really closely with a lot of the different clinics that are around. So I don't look at any of the other clinics as competition. Mm -hmm. I look at them as friends, yeah. right? That we have different slight services, we have similar services, but there's more than enough pie to go around. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing right now for um, attracting new clients in and getting people in is that reach. Yeah. because people are so busy and people are so distracted with things mm. um, and it's kind of like you know that that aspect of Twitter or you know Instagram can you mm. make that quick little flash yeah get somebody's attention and get them in but you mm. know that's part of it so you're looking at so what do you need to do um, to get people in you know back in the day it was a phone book now it's not yeah you know phone books have, have died like the dodo birds <laughs> yeah. they're gone like the dinosaurs yeah. so now you look at okay where how are you ranking on google mm. how are you you know so people can call um and that's where a lot of people are making their decisions right yeah before they even go to the website, they've already decided based on who's listed there and the what are the top three people yeah. You know, yeah. that they're going to reach out to. Yeah, so those are that's a big one. Um, you know, Facebook is another one that you know you can organically sort of work within the brick and mortar piece and and look at your sort of demographic area mm -hmm. and that's another one of reaching out. But you know, you, you're always you're always also having to look at how those social media companies are limiting your reach. Yeah. And a lot of them are limiting your reach with that and wanting you to spend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so it's always a give and take. How much are we gonna budget for our Facebook advertisement? How are yeah. we gonna do it? This is like your realm of yeah. what you guys do and you guys are you know experts on that. And then, you know, what are you gonna do with say Instagram or Twitter and you know, how can you make it so you're actually getting that reach out to people? Yeah. And then the other piece is I think community, like really getting out in the community yeah. because people want to know people. And that's one of the big things I've always said is that I would per prefer to do business with a person face to face. Yeah. Um, and that might be a little old school, but that's really where I'd rather make my decisions is getting to know somebody and what they're doing and will this help me? Yeah. You're right. Compared to like looking, you know, there. so. You know, getting out to community events is a big one that we've been doing. We've done, say, the family day almost every year yeah. um, since it started um, here in Langley. We have done other charity events. We give a lot of like, you know, gift bags to charity events, and sometimes we do golf tournaments where we set up and do, mm. you know, face-to-face -face golf tournaments where we're doing treatments for the golfers. Okay. Um, there's other like things with runs and other things we've done in the past. So it's getting out to the community. Can yeah. you find people? Can you show them what you do mm -hmm. um, and go from there? And when we started, I think this is where I'll, I think sometimes, you know, that aspect of we can do everything via, say, social media, mm -hmm. where it, whereas, you know, you can look at, you know, that face-to-face -face piece. Mm -hmm. When we started, we would do weekends all the time of stuff like right. that. 
over and over again, you know, what event can we get to, this, that, and next. And we've slowed that down a little bit, but mm -hmm. I think as new practitioners as well, um, that's a big piece that needs to be there for them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, anyone starting in this space, getting out, you know, no matter where you are and actually meeting people yeah. is a big one. You know, joining different things like Rotary, joining things yeah. like the Chamber, joining things, you know, other groups that are out there. Um, you'll make contacts, you'll make referrals that way. Um, you know, supporting your local businesses around you so they know what you do and you can like contact them and hey, I've got a referral for you. Oh, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. So that face-to-face -face piece I think is a really big piece as well as increasing like the overall reach. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, stepping back from it that, you know, we've done not done as, as much as we have done, say, five years ago or six years ago right to now that's a piece that I look and say okay well you know I'd like to do more of that mm. right right and once again it's about talent it's about getting your talent out there yeah you know and working with those pieces of like how can I you know get my staff out there yeah um, you know if I'm already busy it's great like, right you know, yeah. but how can I help build the other team members up mm. right and the other piece too is that I think you know, as much as, you know, people say, like, each, it's almost like, uh, do you have a barber that you go to? Yeah, actually, my hair is super longer now because he moved to Kelowna. So you moved so to Kelowna. Like, so, so, okay. so he referred me to somebody, so you referred but, me but, to but, but I hesitated you were still for a hesitating. couple extra weeks. So, <laughs> so this is a good thing, because I yeah. would say hairdressers or barbers um, are one that uh, people have an affinity for. Yes. Mm -hmm. Therapists are very much like that. So people will wait for a certain therapist. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, you can see this person. So a lot of that trust as well is like, you know, referring to that person within your clinic or, you know, growing it organically or being able to step people down. Yeah. But it's the same thing as a barber. Yeah. Right? You've got a referral yeah. from a barber to go see another barber. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. Is this what I want to do? So, you know, there is that aspect that person, when you have an individual in a clinic that has a unique skill, say, like, mm -hmm. I have a steel like myself. Um, you know, and say somebody says, oh, I'm moving to Vancouver. Right. Right. Who do you know there? Then I'll refer them. Yeah. But it's the same thing here, right? Like you may have said, oh, I have a great barber. You need to go see him. Yeah. And now you're now looking for a new barber. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes it's also that ability to, to test things out. Right. Interestingly, like how I got referred to like the barber that actually just moved, which was like maybe three years ago. Yeah. Was that somebody referred me to them yeah and then the first thing I asked them was do they have like a website or an Instagram they're like here's their Instagram mm -hmm. I looked through their Instagram and I was like okay like they're the quality of haircut yeah is very high based on everything that I'm seeing yeah. and then I booked the appointment yeah mm -hmm. but I would have never gone out to even search that had I not asked somebody else first yeah. Because I mean, I've, you know, I think I asked two, three people and I did the same process and I was like, well, this guy's the best based on what I can visually see from the outside in. Yeah. yeah. Time and time again, what we're seeing is that, you know, you can't ignore quality, quality yeah. of the service. And when you take that quality and then you just put it on display, you know, on social media, whether it's through reviews, however it is, you're basically saying you're putting it out there because there's a lot of. Uh, small business owners especially who have really great quality they've got a great service but they don't tell anyone about it right yeah. because they're they're a little too humble or, or whatever is the case 
and so they're just kind of um, they're they're doing their job. They're you know they're doing a great job, but nobody knows that they're doing a great job. I also think that word of mouth over the past few years has actually it's decreased if you don't count its digital counterpart, where people are referring people online. Yeah. Because I think that, and you touched on this earlier. Um, People are busier now than they've ever been before. Yeah, they are. It, it's almost like a, it's almost like an illness. It's like the busy illness, and because they're so busy, the word of mouth thing happens less and less. Yeah. So now that the digital side has to supplement that, and people are making decisions through the digital means of, well, okay, I got referred to this, that, or wherever. Mm-hmm. First thing you do, like Google them. Do they have reviews? How many? What's yeah. the star count? Uh, same thing with Facebook um, and or asking other people, but I, I truly believe that word of mouth when you take the digital side out is, is way down. Is. If you add in the digital side, it's way up. Yeah, and I think you've touched on that uh, like perfectly as you said with your barber. Yeah. First thing I did, I went to Instagram. I took a look at that, right? Yeah. So there is a piece of, you know, what do you need to do digitally? to enhance your business and you know there are things as well like I mean I think my biggest frustration uh, as a business owner is websites yeah Yeah. and I know you guys specialize in that but it's also the aspect of you can go a year and it can be almost out of date so you're then having to look at how are we changing this so Mm. you know websites now are no longer what they once were put it up leave it it's all good you know maybe change your pricing you know, yeah. from there now it's become almost an organic piece as well yeah. and you know some people will look at you know how does that function what's the functionality of the website what's the functionality of okay I googled them mm-hmm. um, what is their you know Instagram what's their Twitter feed what's this it, nowadays the website is really the most important piece online and yeah. uh, you know as a small business you can get away with things like a Facebook page sure yeah. But really, like when you're a little bit bigger, like the website is how people judge you, ba- you know, based on first impression. What's the quality look like? Is it consistent with the brand, yeah. right? And all those other pieces that you mentioned, like the SEO, it's you know, if you're not doing it right, well, then people aren't going to find you either. Yeah. So it's yeah. such a such a crucial piece, and it doesn't. You're right. It, it doesn't stop changing. You're constantly updating, constantly. constantly working on that. And that's I think, especially as a business owner, you almost. You've got to look at that that piece and really go, okay, you know, it's been a year, a year and a half. What are our sites do we need to change, mm-hmm. right? How is our how is it more interactive or reactive? Um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you need to be blogging or vlogging. I don't really always believe that you need to be blogging or vlogging. That's for some companies that works really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a strategy. Um, it's one I haven't implored. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it may work better. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, how much time are you going to be dedicating to that piece? Is that, you know, creating what you want? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just, you're doing, you know, I, I've got to do this. I got to have this, as you say, that, mm-hmm. that uh, busyness aspect, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. sort of like we've got to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. Really, the, the ones that are really creating the change are the A, B, C and the E, F, and G and H, and I. Mm-hmm. Those ones aren't changing. Yeah. So, you know, what are you doing here? And yeah, okay, well, maybe D. Yeah. But. Well, it's two things. It's A, it's industry, right? Yeah. It depends on the industry quite a bit. It also depends on size of business, right? So what takes you from point A to point B is different from point B to point C and so on and so forth. Yes. 
Um, and most people don't understand that. So what happens is, is that, you know, I say a lot of businesses um, in their first year, first six months, they're like, okay, we need to do a whole bunch of marketing. It's like, no, you need to go get sales, right? Like if, if you look at sales and marketing as two sides of, of the same coin, which is revenue, um, there's a there's a point in the business's growth cycle where marketing does become more important mm-hmm. than sales, yeah. but it's not when you're kicking this whole thing off, right? For specifically for revenue generation, sales always comes first, yeah. and then after a certain period of time, marketing becomes more important because you have top line revenue such that it's impossible to leverage yourself like to grow the way that you've been growing. Because you know, at one point, like it's like landing a new client that comes in twice a week, yeah. for example. At some at some point, can be you know, two three percent of your revenue. But as time goes on, it becomes 05 percent of your revenue, or an even smaller percentage, yeah. where the volume is now not manageable to generate through pure sales activity. This is when marketing needs to actually leverage you up, yeah. because mar- marketing is almost like that multiplier effect. It is. But if you try to multiply zero. If you have no sales today and you nothing, try to multiply nothing, zero, nothing, nothing ca- comes of it, yeah. right? So it, it's really interesting, like when you're mentioning blogs and especially content marketing, content marketing works really well yeah. once you're trying to create leverage. Yeah. But if you're just trying to generate sales, it's like that looks a lot like SEO, getting some reviews, like doing like the basics right so that you're easy to find. Yeah. Right, and that's more sales oriented than content strategy, which is more of a brand orientation. Yeah. Um, and at that point, you know, if you want to build your brand early, you have to do that by, you know, having like may- maybe not vlogs, but going on on the live functions of social media if you're comfortable with that in today's yeah. day and age. But the other path that is the opposite of that in the non-digital side is attending these community events because that's really kind of what it is in the offline side. Yeah, and you could do both. You could attend, and then, and then you exactly there, do a live feed. Yeah. Hey, we're here, and, and you can combine those pieces. Absolutely. But I think you know. I think especially for the younger entrepreneurs out there that are in this sort of space of healthcare, I find that some of them aren't doing like those pieces, or they're like you know, you look at younger individuals coming even into a business, um, you know, contractor and an employee you have to brand yourself as well. And this is another piece yeah. that you need to create your own avatar yes. for you as a practitioner, um, as a person in business. And I think that that is something that people need to do more of so mm-hmm. that they become the experts. So when you're coming into a business, it's not just on the people that have been there for a long time that have those reputations yeah. built over, you know, 20 years and people are like, oh, I always hear about you or I always hear about Travis. Well, yeah, Travis has been doing this 15 years. Right. I've been doing this almost 20 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's taking me almost 20 years to get to that point where people are like, oh, hey, you know, I've heard of you, right. you know, through multiple different people, mm-hmm. through word of mouth yeah. or through reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're brand new, you've got to build that avatar. You've got to build that piece. You've got to reach out to people. You've got to start looking for who do I know, what courses do I need to go to, how can I build myself up quicker? And, you know, I think that's the big thing is like learning through lots of different avenues. Mm -hmm. And um, as you said, right at the beginning was not reinvent the wheel. So, you know, if I get back to sort of like my specialty of FST, um, 
when I was starting that, I was about five years into business, or not into business, but into being a kinesiologist. So um, I just started my business about a year in, and I had what I thought was a wheel, mm. right? So I had a wheel, and I think a lot of it is systems as well. You know, some people have become very short-sighted with some of the business advice they've been given, yeah. um, where they look at it and they, they don't see a client as somebody, you can have a client work with you even with your changing of techniques and changing of things, you can work with them mm-hmm. for you know 10 years, 15 years, yeah. 20 years, and they're lifelong clients. They may not see you, for, like in my business, they may not see me until they're hurt. It might be a two year gap, right. but then they're like, I need to come in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is who I trust. This is where I wanna go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is a big piece of building that. Like, I mean, um, uh, Carissa, she, you've been, a, I think it's 10 years approximately. Is, yeah. Since so it's I was 10 14. years that she's wow. been, you know, a client of mine. Right. Which is a huge, like, I watched her grow up. Yeah. Which is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that to me is, you know, that's a big marker of your success. And that's also mm-hmm. part of being a part of the community. It is. It is. Yeah. It is a big part of being the community and, you know, seeing those individuals, those, you know, individuals come back or, you know, bring their kids or so on and yeah. so forth. And, mm-hmm. you know, those are those life, you know, long ones, right? Mm-hmm. So when you get up into there and like, you know, I said, sometimes I sit there and I think that, oh, it's, I've only been doing this for a year or two. And I'm like, oh, it's almost my 20th year. <laughs> like that's, that's how know, it feels though. That's sometimes yeah. how it feels, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I've been doing this like this long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is a piece of, you know, that aspect of, trying to really, you know, look at what you need to do to, you know, retain business. And I think yeah. that's the the long, you know, my business coach, Kevin, said to me, he's like, it's not a sprint. No. Right? It's not a sprint. You might be sprinting from point to point or speeding up and mm-hmm. slowing down. It's like, this is not even a marathon. This is an ultra marathon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to have that really long view of things. You know, you're going to separate things up into small workable pieces, yeah. but mm-hmm. you got to take the long view on a lot of pieces. You know, and we talked as well about, um, you know, cultural changes or changes. The other thing too, as a business owner is that you've got to understand that um, you're going to have ebbs and flows. So you're going to have um, for us, you're going to have practitioners come in, yeah. and then you're going to have practitioners leave. You're going to have administrators come in, you're going to have administrators leave. Mm-hmm. And this is something that you as a business, it can be stressful, but you also have to be able to mitigate that. And, yeah. You know, People flow in businesses, and they are your assets, and they are um, there to help you and you know to help the business grow. And at times, they're going to you know outgrow the business per mm-hmm. se, and they're going to move on. You have, as a business owner, you have to also, you know, say, okay, here's your wings, go. Yeah. And you know that's a big piece too to, to look at, of uh, you know helping those those other individuals branch out to where they need to go and are they successful? Yeah. And then you know training more. Yeah. Right. So. So that's uh, a big piece. We're getting to kind of the end of this here. So. Yes. See that? Um, what would be your number one or two piece of advice for a new entrepreneur? Uh, number one piece of advice for new entrepreneurs is um, don't be afraid. Like don't don't really be afraid to try it. You're going to fail. Point blank, you're going to fail. You're going to fail over and over again. Don't be f- afraid of those small failures. Um, take that long view of things. Um, 
don't overcommit. Like really keep yourself on a sort of budgetary. How can I shoestring this? How can I focus on people first? Always people first. Um, that's really what I would say is like, you know, really the number one piece is, you know, don't be afraid and focus on people, no matter what your business is, create those connections. Because if you create those connections, they'll last and that will be your success. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, because failure is inevitable, that's why you have to shoestring things and not bet the farm. Yeah. Because if you assume you're not going to fail at all, yeah. you over leverage yourself and that's where bad things happen. So you have to like, to your point of the long view, if you don't take that long view and you're like, I'm all in on this one thing, it doesn't work out, you're done. Yep. So you have to play the game in a way where you're trying to play it infinitely. Exactly. And you're going to play the game every day. Every day you get up, you yeah. smile, you put on your masks, as, as yeah. say. Yeah. and you go and do it. Yeah. And you're going to have great days, and you're going to have really bad days, but don't judge your bad days on it, right? Like, yeah. you know, or if you're angry, if you're, you're upset, you know, like... You know, you can't see. There's there was a quote that I saw, which is you can't see a reflection in steam, right? Right. Which is if you're angry, yeah, or you're frustrated about something, or you're even like sad about something, mm -hmm. you're not going to see that reflection. You're not going to be able to actually look and you know see that reflection in the water, per se, if it's boiling. Yeah. Right. So you've got to kind of take yourself out of those pieces and those best days or those worst days. Mm -hmm. You know, it's either either end that super high or that super low. It's more in the middle that you really want to be making great decisions, yeah. right? Because those emotions will take you out a little bit too. So you know, we're emotional, you know, beings, yeah. but at the same yeah. time, you got to kind of look at those pieces, right? Yeah. And you really have to enjoy the work, right? Because you, do. you know uh, the whole entrepreneurial lifestyle is really being glamorized, and it's not nearly as glamorous as no. people make it out to be <laughs> no. at all. No. no, it's only it's only glamorous if you love what you do. Mm -hmm. It is. If you really love what you do, um, you won't work a day in your life. No. But you will work on certain things because there are things <laughs> yeah. in being an entrepreneur that you're not going to be good at. 100%. That right? you're not going to like either. And that you're not going to like. So yeah. there's going to be days you're going to work because you're not going to like those things. Yeah. You've got to realize those pieces. The other thing too is find experts. Mm -hmm. So find people that are better than you yeah. at whatever it is and learn from them. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. But you know what? Our, our ego tries to take us there. It always does. Right? But we, that's where you have to like check it. Mm -hmm. You know, and realize that if you surrounded yourself with the right people, that when they're speaking about their area of expertise, that you, you should do a whole lot of listening and maybe not so much talking. Exactly. So, excellent. Yeah. Uh, wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> How do we wrap it up again? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, we'll thanks for this part. Thank it's you very awesome. much. It's been great listening to you. Thank your, you very much. Um, yeah. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate that. Thank you for coming in and you know checking out the yoga studio and doing the interview here and you know taking some of my time. And I greatly appreciate you guys. Thank you. Awesome. Thank thanks. you. Sweet.